I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both radio and TV, on lisaevers.com, as well as my Fox 5 news stories. What we're focusing on in this episode, the new drug epidemic. The statistics are staggering. Drug use and abuse, legal and illegal has been around for a very long time, but never as bad as this. City officials recently confirmed that about four New Yorkers a day are dying from drug overdoses. Around the, That's more than are being shot and killed. Around the country, more people lose their lives in deadly overdoses than are killed in car accidents, gun violence, or acts of terrorism. So why is this happening? What can we do about it? We have some special guests here to help us understand the extent of the problem and what you need to know. And hopefully some of the information that comes across to you through this broadcast will help save a life. That's what we're hoping to do. Joining us is Carl Farron. He's a senior residential director at Camelot Counseling. Carl, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Dr. Robert Gladder. He's an emergency medicine specialist and ER doctor at Lenox Hill Medical Center and assistant professor of emergency medicine at Northwell Health. Dr. Gladder, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks again. My pleasure. We, we really appreciate it. Also with us, we're honored to have for the first time on Street Soldiers and for her first television interview, Tatiana Paulino. She is the mother of ASAP Yams, who, as many of you in the hip-hop community know, passed away in January of 2015 from an apparent drug overdose. And Tatiana, first, our condolences to you and your family. I know you've experienced a tremendous outpouring of love because so many people loved and miss your son. So thank you so much for being here to speak with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Bodega Bams. He's a hip-hop artist from Spanish Harlem. Featured, you've seen him featured in a lot of places. I'll mention just a few. Rolling Stone, uh, Vice, the New York Times, and he's founder of the Tan Boys, a collective of Hispanic MCs. And Bams, I want to start with you. Uh, when Yams passed, a lot of people were surprised by this because everything was moving along. His career was, you know, on the up and up. He had helped so many people get their careers going and had made such a strong impact and people were really shocked. How, how did you hear about it? Oh man, it was, um, I got a call in the morning. Um, I was, it was crazy. I was laying in my bed, it was early in the morning, like 7.30 in the morning. I got a call in the morning saying, yo, you know Yams died? And immediately I went on Twitter. Like that's how crazy it was, cause I wanted to see what was the. I was like, it was something out of nowhere. So when I went on Twitter and I seen everybody saying it, then that's why I started making calls. Like, what really happened, whatever. But yeah, it was crazy, man. Like, to get that call, like, it was crazy. Tatiana, the uh, tell tell us about your son and our our condolences again to you and your family. What is the, what have these passes been a little bit over two years? What has this been like for you? Oh, it's been crazy being without my son. I just put, I just focus myself to have the foundation on his name, which is um, to help those kids outside to um, fund drugs, missing drugs. That's the killing of kids outside. And are you? Does did this open your eyes in a new way to how big the problem is? Yes. Um, I didn't know at the beginning how big it was. But and then I realized um missing drugs is um is really bad. It's not like before. Um It's a it's a it's an epidemic proportion. I think Dr. Gladder can explain that for us too. It's it's 
you're seeing it, you're, in, you're an emergency medicine specialist, you're in the ER there, the number of people going to the ER for drug overdoses has been increasing, hasn't it? It has been, and it's, uh, you know, it's something that started many, many years ago, and it's been building and building, and it's something so serious, and you read about it in the media, you hear about it, but, you know, I experience this firsthand, and I see the pain that it causes for families, and it's, it's devastating. Um, I can't count on, you know, it's, it's just countless numbers of families that have experienced yeah. such pain, and my, my heart goes out to them. And we have to look at addiction uh, in many different ways, and um, there's so many facets to it. You know, there's so many uh, aspects of how this epidemic started. Uh, there's no one single person or entity to blame, but um, there are many, many causes. Um, part of it started as how we interpret pain as doctors and as healthcare providers. And it became very important to stress the reduction of pain. And because of that, we tried to address it. But unfortunately, it had some untoward effects, is what you're seeing, of overprescribing and not prescribing for the right reasons. And this is very difficult to, you know, as doctors and, and nurses and to, to, to face this. But this is something that happened and very, very painful to deal with. I oh, and the, and the pill. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't think this is epidemic. I think that's been going on for a long time. Yeah, I think, not to cut it, Tati, I think. When we say epidemic, it's only because law enforcement get involved. Like, I feel like as soon as law enforcement get involved in whatever's going on with drugs and they call it epidemic, who do they target? They target the hood. You know what I'm saying? Like, this has been going on for a, whole, for, for such, for a long time. The fact that the hood got it now is that we call it an epidemic. The law enforcement one. And then they're going to target the hood. They're not going to target the doctors. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying it's the doctor's fault or whatever, but... The fact that it became, we saying the word epidemic, every time we think about, we talk about the crack epidemic, what they were doing, they were breaking down the door. When we talk about whatever kind of epidemic, it's because of law enforcement right. is getting involved. But, law, but just, to be, just to be fair, I mean, and I understand, I understand your point, the law enforcement has pretty much been involved for a long time, and also it's the city that's calling it an epidemic right now, and it's the national health officials you know, who are, are watching this and calling this an epidemic. But Carl, explain for us, just so we all understand, the addiction process, because we keep hearing this heroin ep epidemic, the heroin epidemic, this all starts with prescription pills. What are you seeing with the people that are coming to you? Um, the unfortunate aspect is we get to see a lot of families, as she just described. Um, oftentimes looking for help um, for their loved ones, not knowing how to get or access to health care that they need, in order to address these services and to get what they need to kind of address the issues at hand with addiction. Um, but the pill thing, Dr. Glatter, the, uh, did the pills suddenly become more potent? Did the, I mean, what happened here? It just is, it's just, it's a combination of things. Yeah. Uh, doctors were put under sort of a pressure to address pain, and this came as pain is what we call the fifth vital sign. You know, you look at someone's heart rate, their blood pressure, their oxygen saturation, but addressing pain becomes, became important, and part of this was through the drug industry, through pharma. They wanted to see this as a way to expand their profits and indications, and so there was a huge campaign uh, for OxyContin. This is time-released uh, oxycodone to be f marketed and formulated in the late 90s. And they targeted doctors. Unfortunately, this is a very, very, you know, dangerous thing. And if we weren't addressing pain and weren't, you know, uh, using certain medications to, uh, to address the pain, then they were targeting healthcare professionals. And this is serious because, you know, we want to do the best thing for people, for, to take care of them. And sometimes, you know, doing what we think is best is, 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 you know, is withholding certain meds, but there was pressure, out, outward pressure to, to start prescribing. 
And this is something that, you know, is, is now being talked about that, that in the late 90s to early 2000s wasn't. And something, something that at least it's out in the open and, and we're yeah. talking about it now. And right. I want to talk about also with our panel the addiction process, because a lot of people have no problem taking a pill. And then they say, I would never use a needle. I would never do heroin, have no problem taking a pill. But we're going to talk about that connection when we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on the new drug epidemic. What can be done? Who's responsible? Are you aware of somebody in your life or in your circles who is affected by this problem, you're definitely going to want to hear what our guests have to say. Joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers, Carl Farron. He's a senior residential director at Camelot Counseling. Carl, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Dr. Robert Gladder. He's an emergency medicine specialist, an emergency room doctor at Lenox Hill Medical Center, and assistant professor of emergency medicine at Northwell Health. Dr. Gladder, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks again. I appreciate it. And also with us, we're honored to have her with us for her first television interview, uh, Tatiana Paulino. She is the mother of ASAP Yams, who passed away in January of 2015 from an apparent drug overdose. And Tatiana, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate mm -hmm. it. Um, also with us is Bodega Bams. He's a hip hop artist from East Harlem. He is featured in many, many publications, many media outlets, including Rolling Stone, Vice and the New York Times, and he's also founder of the Tam Boys, a collective of Hispanic MCs. Bam, thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate you. We we really appreciate it. Tatiana, did you know that your son was having a problem with this at all before? No, I didn't know at the beginning. Since um, I find out in June, two thousand fourteen. And how did you f how did you find out? Uh, the way that he was acting. Um, I put in rehab. Uh, I tried to help him, you know, he just went to 30 days rehab. I want him to go to 90 days, but. Well, if I could just, you know, someone like, she said he struggled after 30 days or in the 30 day rehab. You know, I know a lot of patients that we work with, when they're coming in with the substance use addiction, the 30 days is, is more of a stabilizer rather than a long-term work in treatment um, in terms of breaking the treatment in terms and, and of breaking you know getting into the cycle of rebuilding their their life you know once it's broken 30 days is not going to repair what has been damaged and educate them on how to continue a lifestyle that includes sobriety and also your body physically is it enough to change like the whole your whole body chemistry but bams let me let me get, let me get this hip-hop piece in there right now because you're on the streets you're in the music industry you listen to the you know our music to, there, there's so many songs out there. There's just so much around this whole drug culture from, you know, the bricks, the this, the dope boys, all this stuff, to the actual people talking about pills and all these casual references. Do you think that's creating a climate where people are kind of feeling like, oh, it's okay because everybody's doing it? Definitely. Um, but I think artists, um, I think most artists, we're not here to demonize. We're not here to tell people, like, to judge like I think the main thing is what's going on is the combination and I feel like not only artists just humans like we have to raise the awareness that once you start com you start combining different drugs this is when the overdose it, it, like, like the I said the overdose danger increases it, it increases like you know like like I said like it's just a combo of stuff that's what I'm 
Dr. Glad, uh, what yeah. about the mixing? Because, and this, let me just throw, sure. put, put out the whole uh, menu here of the drugs that we hear about commonly. The, the cough syrup, whatever that chlor, whatever that stuff is that's in the cough syrup with the lean, which they mix with soda and, and drink. A lot of artists have done that. The, the Xanax, the perks, the, you know, the oxycodone pills, and then Coke and alcohol, marijuana that's laced with different things, and then right. onto the harder stuff. Yeah, it's all additive. Once you start combining all these drugs, it adds up, and ultimately it affects your breathing, your respirations, and you become unconscious. You can have a seizure. Um, and then that when you seize, you don't have oxygen to the brain, and then that's brain damage, and, and ultimately this, this leads to brain death. It's, it's devastating. We see people who come in with these mixed overdoses, and often it's with Valium or Xanax, mixed with Percocet, and um, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, mental health issues underlying this, and that's, that's an important point to bring out, that you know, untreated depression or people self-medicating. This is a, a, a good amount of what we're seeing, people that just couldn't have access. They, you know, they started getting hooked on heroin, they couldn't, um, you know, or actually they were hooked on pills first, Percocet or Vicodin, and then they couldn't get that, and it was expensive, and they went to street, street drugs, heroin. Um, or even fentanyl-laced heroin, which is very dangerous. And, and so this is what we're seeing, the progression. People who are, you know, um, have, have jobs, that have families that can't get these pills and that start using heroin. It, this is very common. We see this all the time. And part of that has to do with the cost on the street because That's what right. the experts tell us and also what the law enforcement uh, tells us and, and also the city and the, the NYPD is a, a pill will sell for one, one of these oxycodone pills will go for 20 or $25 a pill but you can get a little bag of heroin for right. like five bucks. Right. It's at 10 to 40 bucks a pill versus you know you're saying 10 to $15 for right. a, a hit you're going to go for the cheaper you know the cheaper option and this is what's happening and you know this is the reality everyone has to wake up all of us have to have a stake in this and we all have to you know we're going to have to watch our prescribing habits we have programs that are in place right now that limit the number of pills we can prescribe we're trying to do alternatives anti-inflammatories there's other therapies to try there's new medications that are on the horizon and this is part of the issue is that there's not enough innovation at this point that is driving us to prescribe other things and that's something we're working on but we're just not there yet um, Cannab CBD or cannabinoids are, are another option to limit the use of opiates. And right. this is another avenue that's being pushed. And it's not quite there yet, but you know, we're hoping to substitute CBD, which is non-hallucinogenic. It doesn't make you high as a way to relieve pain. There are certain indications in New York for medicinal marijuana, chronic pain, people with MS, people with certain types of seizures. There are medicinal indications, but chronic pain is, is one of the indications. And if your doctor has given you the go-ahead, it's possible to see a specialist and get a prescription for medical marijuana, uh, which is CBD, that does not make you high, that helps relieve your pain. Right, and that's, and that's def definitely something, these right. new ways, I think everybody would agree those need to be explored. But Carl, take us through the, the, the people that come through the doors at Camelot at your facility, especially the guys, when they come through, like what, do you do? You feel sometimes like, wow, I keep hearing the same story, or tell us about what they tell you. Like, well, I, how did they get to that point where they either have to check in or they're gonna literally check out? You know, we're a long-term residential program. Um, it could last up to 12 months, maybe even longer. By the time they come in and, they're, and most of the young men that we have um, have overdosed multiple times. Um, been revived multiple times in emergency rooms, police officers, paramedics. Um, it's to the point where the next step is death. Um, whether it be court interventions, family interventions that 
kind of push them or coerce them towards treatment, usually that's the first step to them getting through the and door. And some, some of the men in the program, it's an alternative to incarceration program, right? Yes, for some of them, the drug courts are involved, treatment courts, other legal, legal issues that they have help work with them to kind of identify some of their issues. And then, but do, do you see certain patterns or certain things that happen to them? Or is it, you know, like, it, like you look at a group and you go, wow, they all have this kind of the same qualities or? Right now, it's n kind of staggered. There is no one specific indicator. It, it's, it we could have, be anybody. It's anybody from any socioeconomic background, any area. Of, you know, it's a, a very broad and it's just affecting everybody everywhere. All of that. And, and Dr. Glatter, the, the rehab, one of the things I learned when we did a story at, at Camelot for Fox 5, and when people go through rehab, they come out cleaner, their bodies are, are cleaner, and especially with heroin, then they feel like they can, it, it affects them more and they can't handle the dose that they handled previously if they have like, you know, a recidivist type of situation. Right, exactly. And what, what's happening is, I, I'm sure you're aware of that medicines like Suboxone, Subitex, which is buprenorphine, which is a um, partial agonist, but it doesn't get what you is that? What is that? These Let are medicines we give outpatient under the tongue, and they help people basically deal with the withdrawal symptoms. Exactly. Okay. Cuts craving, cuts withdrawal. And it's, it's not exactly like an opiate, but it helps you get through the day, and it, it prevents you from having withdrawal and craving, and you can function. And these medicines are often what we give, um, you know, people in rehab. It's starting to have a pilot program in the ER to actually give these programs uh, or give these patients um, medicine who are, you know, trying to struggle with withdrawal, withdrawal issues. We don't do it at our facility, at our hospital system, but in other hospitals, they are looking into this. So in other words, how do you prevent people who are addicted from, you know, from staying addicted well, is to give some of these medicines like Suboxone or Subitex. These are medicines that are, are helpful, and I'm sure you're, you're well aware yeah. of these. Yeah. What about you know, that, Carl? We also work Because is that, is that what makes people go back is, is if the, the withdrawal <laughs> is so bad and then right. they just have to get something more? Well, for us, we use it along and in, in, in coordination with treatment, um, medicated, medication-assisted treatment, where, you know, they're in the, they'll be on Suboxone or other things along with treatment and therapy to kind of work through those initial uh, initial withdrawal symptoms. They work with the physician, they work with the psychiatrist to address all that over a long period of time, up to 12 months. By the time they leave, you know, they could be ready to come off of the Suboxone. Once, you know, they're stable, they're, they're, they're thinking clearly, they've got different life setup goals, uh, accomplishments, things that they're working on to work along with therapists. And then even then after they leave, you know, it doesn't stop once they leave treatment because there still needs to be follow-up care and aftercare at the end of that, right. which, you know, can be multiple years, two, three, four years, five years down the road. That's an important point, though. You have to have a therapist involved, a counselor, a psychiatrist, because addiction is not just, you know, giving a pill and sending a patient home. It's, it's really therapy and exploring what's going on in the family, their lives and really revealing and, wha and what's happening people can look like they're successful and doing everything on right. the on the outside but you never know what's going on the inside um, when we come back I'm going to find out are, are people are certain people more wired for addiction than other people that's what we're going to find out from our guests when we come back this is Street Soldiers I'm your host Lisa Evers stay tuned yeah Yo, you already know what it is man this is B.I.G. Sean and this is the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers real issues real politics. Real people 
only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the new drug epidemic and joining us for this conversation, Carl Farron. He's a senior residential director at Camelot Counseling. Carl, great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Also with us is Dr. Robert Gladder. He's an emergency medicine specialist and an ER doctor at Lenox Hill Medical Center. Center. He's also an assistant professor of emergency medicine at Northwell Health. Dr. Gladys, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Also joining us, um, Tatiana Paulino. She is the mother of ASAP Yams, who as many in the hip hop community and beyond know, passed away in January of 2015 from an apparent drug overdose. And and Tatiana, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. And also joining us, Bodega Bams. He's a hip hop artist from Spanish Harlem. You've seen him in Rolling Stone, Vice, and New York Times, all over social media and music platforms. He's also the founder of the Tan Boys, a collective of Hispanic MCs. Bams, great to have you with us. Thank love, you so love, much. Love, love, Tatiana, what is what have been some of the the tough things that you've been dealing with in, in these past two years since Yams passed? Well. I think we, we are my son for the past two years has been the worst thing that can happen to me or anybody, any parents who are going through that right now. I think um, not having my son, my only one son, that's affected me really bad. I just want to use the, the legacy that my son left to help all these people through that foundation, Always Try and Prosper Foundation, um, to follow us. We can give you help, not the door. Check our page. We have a lot of information there. And what do you want other mothers to know who are concerned about their sons or daughters getting involved with this? Because you tried everything, it sounds like. Well. I don't think I really try everything because I find out at the end. Uh, get information, get involved with your kids. Um, find out all the information you can give it to them. Go to places. Um, read, find out what's, what's the effect of the combination of drugs. That's it. All right. No, we, and we we appreciate you coming here to speak out and to really help people understand what this does to families, you know, when this happens and the loss. And we we appreciate you being here with us, and we really admire your courage in, in being here with it. And, and Bams, the, the 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 effect when when Yams passed, a lot of people in hip hop were just like, "Whoa, I can't believe this." Mm-hmm. And a lot of people still aren't over that. But has that made people? Do you think people look at that and go, "You know, I got to be careful," or is there? It's not going to happen to me. Definitely, like I, it's it's both. Like you know, sometimes death affects people differently. You know what I mean? The closer you was to a person, it might <clears throat> make you look at yourself differently. And you know when, like I said, like I feel like rappers, like we get a bad hype. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times we get blamed for a lot of things, and I feel like it this is deeper than what people look. It's deeper than what people are looking at. You know what I mean? Like we rappers and we role models, yeah. And <clears throat> but the, the the main thing is that. This like what she said, like what Tati said, like 
pay attention to your kid. Like parenting is very important as well. You know Even when they, when they're an adult, because Yams was on his own, his career was popping. Like, exactly. So so she's you know she's not she's not in she, she her son is blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. She's thinking her son is fine. She says she found out towards the end. Right. You know it's not her fault, but I feel like a lot of times, like I said, like we we oh, we always want to blame rappers. Oh, well they said to do this and they said to do that. When the thing is is that. Everybody gonna have demons, and everybody get high. Like, and people like to get high. Like, I know people who get high. I like to get high. I know my limits, though, and that's the whole purpose. We gotta teach people what's the limit. You gotta raise awareness in that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and once again, like the combination is what's making people die. Carl, what about this knowing knowing your limits? Is and and people will say, you know what? I take people will say they take pills, uh, certain pills just on the weekend, or they just get high during the weekend, or they just get well, high I think in their that's days off. A lot of times, where it started with the pills recreational people were downplaying the use of pills because it wasn't heroin it wasn't this they weren't shooting it became more of a recreational you know use with teenagers and kids and taking them from schools and you know soon before long they're alone shooting in a bathroom in a gas station on the highway mm -hmm. um so limits i don't know i can tell you with is that is that myth is that myth is that fact or is that fiction what? put you on the line with that this idea that that you can know your limits people say it about alcohol too they're like i know my limit two glasses of this two glasses of wine and that's it one you know well, i think uh, one of the big topics is the her the marijuana and any correlation with anything else well i can tell you every while not every marijuana user ends up using heroin every addict that is in my facility right now has started with marijuana have started with alcohol have started with the with the pills recreational teenagers thinking that there was limits and that they knew them. and that they could do dr dr glad well, what about that yeah, this well, idea of limits line is that i mean the scientists will say that marijuana is not a gateway drug but right. you know obviously from your experience you know it's otherwise and i can tell you from personal experience that yes i think there are people at risk who use marijuana there are genetics behind this that are apt to go to other drugs. It's not clear. So people are wired? There are, yes, there's a genetic predisposition with certain drugs or receptors in your brain to go on to use harder drugs. And I think we don't have all the information yet. Um, again, I, 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 I've seen patients that have only used marijuana that go on to harder drugs, others that don't. So we don't have all the answers, but there's, there's some genetics behind this. And do you see, is, is there certain, you know, are there certain like family groups or like several addicts in one family, or is it just like when you talk about genetics? We do. We see this is it like we do for other diseases? Too. We see like just like alcoholism is, you know, is a disease. There's a genetic basis for this, just like substance abuse. There is a basis, and we see this all the time. So we're mom, and then you know, a daughter, and then and then a granddaughter are using. We see this scene play out many times. I've seen it personally. So, so what do you what do you say to the, the person that's listening and watching to us, uh, watching us right now that says, which I hear all the time, and I'm sure right everyone now. in this room has heard this, is they know their limits. They just on the weekend they'll have some drink, you know, have something to drink, some alcohol, and a pill or two here or there. Maybe smoke a little weed, and that's it dangerous I think you know you may know your limits but there's at points in your life when you have difficult times you know conflict when you have tough days that you can reach for an additional pill or go further I think that that's a, that's a dangerous highway to be on and you know knowing your limits to a point is okay but I think that if you have an addictive personality if you have a family history of addiction 
you've got to be very you know uh, aware of this and, and and be cognizant that you are at risk are we more susceptible to to these drugs to alcohol to these things if, if somebody's like overtired or they're exhausted or they're stressed out Absolutely. or they've been there's does that a, change our susceptibility? It does. I mean, it's the quick fix. It's what you can, you know, reach for. You know, what you can take now to make me feel better. You know, um, these medicines change your brain brain chemistry over time, and that you need more and more of them. So once you start with a small amount, your brain wants more. Your receptors aren't saturated, and that's the danger. Bams, what about the images? You know, we we talk about we talk about on the show all the time too that you know how a lot of times hip hop becomes a scapegoat for some of society's ills, but we're in a culture where. You know, you we're constantly told to take a pill. Anything is wrong, take a pill, take a pill, take a pill, take a pill. Do you think that message has just made us insensitive? Hell yeah, most definitely. Like, um, like I said, man, like those drugs are used to help, right? But what happens is like they become so easy to get. And, and like, like, like I'm thinking about it right now, like I, I see more pharmaceutical stores than I see therapies in the hood. Like, I, I don't even know how to get to a therapy besides calling it. Like, I just can't walk into a therapy office, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. And I feel like that's bad, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what are we doing in the community? Like, forget the rappers, like, who are the community leaders? Why do we see more Rite Aids and Dwayne Reeds that it's easy to access these drugs, or if, you know what I'm saying, than opposed to, like, where's the therapies at? Like, where, where, how, how can we put our kid in therapy? Like, I don't, I've never seen the therapy in Spanish Harlem. I'm, I'm sure they're there, but I, I don't see them visibly, you know what I'm saying? I, all I hear is about, call this number. Or if you have this kind of Medicaid, like, you go do this or whatever. But I always, on every corner, damn near, you're going to see pharmaceutical. You're going to see the mom and pop shop to sell the medicine. And you, that you got the hookup in there. If you know the person, you can go behind the counter. Like, it's so easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you say people, people in the neighborhood know where to, like, if they want to cop something or they want to buy something, they know where to get it. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And like I said, like, like you know, like, there's this, like I said, like, everybody's going to have addictions, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you're right, like, you ha- like people ain't going to know their limits. But I feel like a lot of times, too, like, people who actually go through things and really go through, like, a whole, oh, I almost died, like, that right there's an opportunity to know your limit. And I, I'm, 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 um, I'm, I'm, I can say that, that that's what happened to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've been through so much in my life to where... I get to a point where like, nah, chill, I gotta know my limits. Like I've never, like, I've had addictions, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm addicted to cigarettes. I know it's gonna kill me one day, you know what I'm saying? But like I said, like, it's about just raising awareness, man. It's about paying attention to what's going on. Like everybody wanna give the rap, the bad rap to the rappers and yo, y'all, y'all promoting it and, and kids are looking at this. That's true, you know what I'm saying? But movies do the same thing. Those tell, like you said, when they popping up on the TV screens about take this pill and take that pill. Like, right, you got I, something wrong with you, take this, take that. To be perfectly honest with you, like, and I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you, like, I ain't know what Xanax was until I became a rapper. But that Xanax been around since forever. You know what I'm saying? Before anybody was even had their hands on it. You know what I'm saying? Like so, I, like I said, I feel like you know, like once rap gets involved and and, and and it's like the stigma of like, oh, now it's negative and now it's the rapper's fault. But also to the fans, though, it becomes cool, and especially to the younger people. And, and that's another and thing. To the kids, they're listening to it, going, oh well, you know what? This big artist who's like multi platinum and the hottest guy out there right now, he's talking about perks. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, like, you know, and, and like pills, like, you know, to compare them to heroin, like, heroin is not cool. 
You know what I'm saying? Like pills are more cool. You know what I'm saying? I, I get right, that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Heroin, you ain't gonna see. I, I haven't seen somebody shoot up heroin a man long in my life. And, and so long, it's been so long since I, since I seen somebody actually shoot up. And they compare the pills to heroin, but you know, pills are the new thing to do. Pills is cool. And I, like I said, I've taken pills too. Like, and and they help. It's just a combination. Is when you don't know your limits, and that's when we. That's when it gets to this. You know what I'm saying? Like. But has seen your friend lose his life to this? Has that changed the way you think at all? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely, like he was a role model in my eyes. You know what I mean? And even though he was dealing with his demons, I had my own demons. To see my friend pass away, like, of course, you like, that, like that's what I'm saying. That's knowing the limit. Like, you know, he as as messed up as it sounds, he's an example. Like, yo, listen, man. Like, this is a person who had so much gifts. This is a person who helped so many people, and at the same time, has so many problems. And he got succumbed to that. Like, any smart person, any wise person, going look at that. You know what, man? Like, I. My man had to go through this so I don't have to. And I'm one of those dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm one of those dudes that looked at that. Like, I don't pop none of that no more. Like, I'm sober. I don't even drink no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I, I got to a point. you look at it and you just. Yeah, I got to a point in my life. If I have to wake up every morning and be like, why am I doing it? What's the purpose? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't I don't want to, like, use liquor or pills to get over a problem. Like, I've not, I, like I, I want to be a strong individual in myself. And I know a lot of people can't do that. You know what I'm saying? But that's why, like, you know, like, we as role models, we got to raise the awarenesses. Like, you know what I mean? Like, pills is cool, but don't overdo them. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't overdo it just because you see your favorite rapper do it. Your favorite rapper might be going through 10 times worse than what you're going through. Maybe that's his excuse. But that don't mean you got to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's the whole thing. Like, I don't, I, I like, like I said, like, I don't demonize it. Like, get high. You know what I'm saying? Have fun. Because drinking... Taking pills, it all increases your fun wherever you at. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, like, when you start to combinate, when you start the, when you start the combination of things, that's when you go into a whole different ball game. And that's all. Yeah. De definitely. We're, we're going to continue our conversation about the new drug epidemic. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, for Street Soldiers. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after hey, this. Hey, yo, 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 what up, what up? It's the infamous Mob Deep, prodigy right here, you know what I mean? And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, you know what I mean? and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the new drug epidemic, and I've got a great panel to break it all down for us. Joining me, Carl Farron. He's a senior residential director for Camelot Counseling. Carl, great to have you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Robert Gladder. He's an emergency medicine specialist and ER doctor at Lenox Hill Medical Center and an assistant professor of emergency medicine at Northwell Health. Dr. Gladder, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, yeah, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Also with us is Tatiana Paulino. This is her first television interview. She's the mother of ASAP Yams who passed away in January of 2015 from an apparent drug overdose. And, and Tatiana, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Bodega Bams, hip hop artist from Spanish Harlem, featured in Rolling Stone, Vice, and the New York Times, and uh, many concerts all over the place. We, you've probably seen him. And founder of the Tam Boys, a collective of Hispanic MCs and Bams, thank you so much for being with us. And thank also you, clo you. close friend close friend of Yams. Yeah. In, in terms of the cleaning up process Carl what what needs to be uh, are, are, is there help out there enough help help well, out there for people uh, Bams brought up a good point um, he sees more drugstores than access to treatment um, that needs to change the mm -hmm. focus on, on on available services in our communities needs to change it needs to be a focus of our 
elected officials. It needs to be the focus of the families. It needs to be the focus of the communities. And it needs to be accepted by the communities. It, you know, it's not... Okay, but let me let me bring it back to, to a very personal thing. But, but nobody's alone. Everybody has people in their lives, friends, family members, that loved ones. If you suspect somebody, if you have a pretty good indication, which people do because that's when they start robbing if they get heavily addicted, and there's a lot of disruptions, because addiction doesn't just affect one the person who's doing the drugs, it affects the whole, the family, the friends, the circle, people at work, people that love the person. So if you suspect that somebody is in danger, you know, they're really in the danger zone there, what what are the do's and don'ts? What should you do and what should you not say to them? Because if you say to them, hey, man, you're kind of hitting the bottle heavy, people go like, oh, it's just, I just had a bad week or, you know. I I think education for the families is important also. Um, but in terms we, of language, like what language, would you say? Like, would see, like what would, do you say? I suggest that they would have to seek help themselves in order to get the language down and understand what they can do to help and, and have those lines drawn, like you mentioned, that what the do's and don'ts are. Um, right. And what about what Tatiana said in terms of like keeping those lines of communication, even when you have, as she did, a grown son who was very successful at that time? Well, it's like a, it's the, the communication and just at least keeping the interaction. So there's that, you know. Well, they really, they, like uh, she said, they should seek out family help. Um, there's a lot of agencies that do work with families even prior to getting a patient into treatment to help guide them through the process and help guide them and connect them with the right questions and answers and with the intervention processes that need to be there in order to assist a person to get into treatment. Dr. Glader, in, in, term, in terms of the treatment, the treatment options that are out there, you mentioned some of these drugs that help people when they're going through with, with withdrawal, but once you've been, the thing I still don't understand is why are these so much more addictive, why do these, these pills seem so much more addictive than in the past? Well, there are long-acting long formulations that are out there and because of that especially with Oxycontin you know different than Percocet because Oxy lasts much longer and the half-life is longer so its effects are longer and because of that it's dangerous and, and again when you combine that with other drugs like Xanax or um, any other kind of uh, you know like e ecstasy you just name it the effect is additive and it just leads to longer-term effects and affects your breathing your respirations these drugs eventually affect your heart your brain, your central nervous system, and, and lead to, you know, obviously untoward effects. So basically when we say somebody passes away from an overdose, it's because they stop breathing. Correct. Yeah. It's because something happened that made them stop breathing. Exactly. It slows your breathing. Uh, opiates slow your breathing by acting on the medulla, which is part of the brain, your central nervous system. So you saturate it enough, then you can't breathe, and your, your inclination to breathe goes away. And that's and that's exactly how it acts. And then if you see somebody, you know, there, there's programs now. There's a lot. A lot of first responders have, have the uh, I, I don't know what the, the official name is. The the shot that you right. you know that brings you back to life. Mm -hmm. If you see somebody passed out, is that should you be calling nine one one at that point? You're I, at a party or, you know, wherever, and you see somebody passed out like that I or think not the waking up. First thing to do is call nine one one. You know, at this point, there's not wide access to these injectors. Um, different companies now are offering them. Um, but I think unless you're trained and know how to use it and the signs to recognize physically, I wouldn't just start giving the medicine. Um, it can have other side effects, which can be dangerous. So it's only in, this, in the circumstance of opiate overdose that we want to give this. So basically just have, call 911 because I you just don't, like right away, don't at, even waste time. At this time. point in time, I would advise that, yes. And just to wait, yeah. waste time. Um, Bam, there's also, also a new thing. The NYPD has started different groups uh, of detectives in the various boroughs. 
where if somebody does pass away from an overdose, they want to try to find out where they got the drugs from to trace it, it back that way. What do you what do you think about that? And they said they won't arrest them, right? That, that, that's what they're saying. Like they would. You see, that's the thing. Like when you like how many people, and that's the that's the hard part of things. Like you want to help somebody, but you also don't want to get in trouble for it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like like. You can't even trust police, and not to say that police is bad or whatever, because there's good cops and there's good policies or whatever. But that just the police telling you, if this happens, tell me what happened, and you won't get in trouble. Who, nobody gonna trust that after after everything that goes on in the hood with us and police. Who gonna trust that? I'm saying like, so that's another thing. Like, there's no trust with 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 people in the community and police. So you can't expect nobody to tell you how they get the drugs or when did he die or how did he die. They don't want to trust police. You know what I'm saying? So I feel and and that's, you know, that's a different conversation us building trust with police, especially in New York. But um I mean, like it, like I said, it, it, it's a hard situation, man, like cuz you want to help, you know what I'm saying, but you also don't want to get in trouble with the police at the same time. But there's also a lot of blurred lines because we have like the heroin is the heroin is is illegal. But yet there we have uh, state and city sponsored programs to give away free needles, which were very effective, I guess, in stopping the AIDS epidemic. But th doesn't that send kind of a mixed message? Well, I can say with a uh, majority with the uh, the drug, the substance users with the heroin, you know, they want to prosecute the dealers. However, a majority of the people that I work with are dealing just to support the habit they're not high-level criminals they're not you know they're gonna sell some of what they bought to support their own habits so the blurred lines I think are, are, are somewhere in there that you know somebody who's just selling a, a, a some of theirs to support their own habit is not a high-level drug dealer they're a user right and they have been they've made, they made more arrests right. the, the past past year with the high-level drug dealers, with the seize more heroin, record record amounts is just like flooding in. Right. I think part of the issue is also getting into the schools early and, and, and families and having sessions about what, you know, opiates are and how dangerous they are and how they change you, your brain chemistry affect how you function, affect your family, and that you just can't start using them, you know, minimally. And they lead to addiction. Your brain wants more of them. Your body wants more of them. And I think the message has to go out in PSAs. It has to be, you know, much, much, much more obvious than what we're giving right now. I think that we need to really have a, a bigger blast. We're like putting a Band-Aid on a big problem. Exactly. Is what yeah. it is. Yeah. And in, ter in terms of that education, go ahead. I also think that um, accessibility adds on to your addiction. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's important because, like I said, I've taken pills, and I ain't get addicted to them. You know what I'm saying? My, and, and then that's another thing, too, with, like, I guess success plays a part in that. Like the more famous you are, the more easier these things you, yes. it's, it's to attain. You know what I'm saying? So like a person like Yams, a person like me, like I go to a show and that's what they want to give me. Yo, bands, I got ten Xanax, and if I want to get Xanax, it's easy for me to get. So how it, it, it's like I said, it's harder for me to get off of it because it's so accessible. I think we have to cut down the accessibility, especially like rappers gonna get it regardless. But I'm talking about in the in the city, in in in, in, the, in the hood. Like let's cut down the accessibility of 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 getting these drugs. Like I said, like it's easy. Like it might be a little harder for you to get in Dwayne Reed, but everybody knows somebody that works in a mom and pop shop that if I want to get this, I can get it. For this amount of money, I got talked to this amount of person. I feel like we have to stop that accessibility. And once we stop that accessibility, the the, the rate of addiction will go down. It's always going to be addiction, but this is about like containing. But the it. demand now is is it's an unprecedented demand. Mm -hmm. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, I think the public, you know, again, we it's how we treat pain and and you know how these medicines. People know that they 
knock out pain. But, you know, we have to look at pain in different ways. You know, we're using a sledgehammer. Well, maybe we need is a chisel, you know. It's okay to feel some pain. You know, you're, you know we're in this mindset that you've got to alleviate pain to the hilt. It's got to be gone. Well, that's just not possible sometimes. I think it's the long-term look, outlook on this that we have to really focus on. No, definitely. And Tatiana, in terms of the foundation, tell, tell us what, what you hope to accomplish, what your, your, your vision is in your son's legacy. Um, we try to prevent and to help all those kids to get together in the community and to teach them not to do the combination. The combination of drugs is going to kill you. That's what's going to happen. Um, I see also that we need a lot of help outside, like a lot of programs. We don't have a lot of problems outside. They're closing a lot of problems. So when we go for help, it's not help nowhere. Um, in my situation, my son was 26. I had to wait until he decided to go, you know, because he was 26 right. to rehab. So it's really hard for me as a mother that I say, you need help. I know that you need help until he decided, yes, I really need the help. So I think uh, the city should have a big campaign about this. Help other kids, have a program, uh, take it out of the street. And change and change the attitudes. It goes to everyone's point about the early education. Yes. The way kids, the way the little kids now look at smoking cigarettes, like yes. it's not that's not cool. And just the, those different changes in the in the perception and what they think is smart and what they don't think is smart. I guess the public education. Are we? Does everyone here feel like we're? It, it's kind of like th this is a big problem, but we're not really paying enough attention to it as a society. Carl? Yeah, I definitely don't think that it's uh, there's enough attention on it um you can go to any neighborhood any uh school district and ask them if they would like to help can we put a program in your neighborhood can we come no not here we don't have that problem i think the stigma and the the lack of understanding of what's really going on is negatively affecting the continued increase in substance use because nobody wants to believe it, nobody wants to accept it, nobody wants to take responsibility. And Dr. Gladder, do they have to make a, make it a profitable, the treatment options as profitable as the selling of the drugs? I think that's another problem is that, that there is profit in that, but also, Absolutely. yeah, and, and to your point, and then this is something that we have to recognize, but it, it's a partial solution. I think it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's helping patients, but it's, it's so many other facets, cultural. You know, drug cultural. use is a, is a cultural thing. Pain is cultural. And I think resetting how we look at these things, it sounds, you know, like Hightower, what I'm talking about, but <laughs> it's, it's real. It's, no, it is real. We have to attack this from the roots of what, you know, how, how we address, you know, pain as, as a culture and also how we, you know, uh, how we experience life. You know, you don't need pills. You don't need alcohol. You can experience life for what it is. And I think re resetting that kind of, focus on, 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 our, on, on, on everybody yeah. just on a society right. from a cultural yeah. standpoint Man, I'm going to give you the last word on this what do, what do you think what do you want people in the hip-hop community to be doing about this or, or what awareness do you want people to have now I mean I mean you know as hip-hop as hip-hop artists man you should care about your fans you know what I'm saying like you should definitely care about the kind of message you're giving out uh I feel like as artists you know what I'm saying we, we, we become role models and we don't realize how important we are to these kids and I feel like every artist has to go through an evolution. Like we all come from the dirt, we all come from negativity, especially from the streets. Like the the, object, the objective is once you reach that certain success, is to is to evolve, is to become a teacher. You know what I'm saying? Like you come in as a worker, and you become the teacher. So I just feel like you know, like you know, 
if, if a rapper cares about his fans, man, you know, you would care about if your fan lives or dies. And you would definitely care about if your fan lives or dies by your message. So, I mean, I, I can't really speak for, you know, other rappers, but I could just, you know, myself, like, my content has to change, you know what I'm saying? Because I want to be a role model to these kids. And, like, I, 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 I you know, I want to give the... The, I want to give the opportunity to a fan to like choose what you want to do. Like I'm gonna give you the dirt. I'm gonna give you the dark. I'm gonna give you everything that happens to what if you do bad. And I'm also gonna give you everything that happens that you do good. Like I'm not con like I don't discriminate both sides. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, I came from the hood. I you want to show the, the real picture. You just gotta show the real and picture. And not just man. glamorize it. And, and, and exactly. Like so, you know, you you you. I, I feel like. In this game, like you just gotta look at who's real and who's fake. You know what I'm saying? Who's really doing it just to do it to be cool? Who's really doing it because they got problems? Like I said, a lot of people get into this 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 pill thing because they start off because they want to be cool, and then it becomes an addiction. A lot of people are doing it because they really have problems, and you can't like the people who really have problems like they they have to do that. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like we have to just you know know the difference between the two. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, you know if if you care about so you're your gonna fans, change your music as a result of this. I mean, not change my like change my music as far as like content. Right. You know what I'm saying like like I said, I I came in, like I came when I came in, I came in as a worker. I came in with the with the mentality as a worker. This is why I gotta do the work. I gotta right. do this. I gotta take, like I've evolved. You know what I'm saying I'm, I'm I, like I, my my music is evolving, so I feel like my message has to be more positive opposed to being negative. I came in on a negative note. You know what I'm saying like so I feel like once you evolve, it gotta turn to positive, and that's all. You know? And that's a great note to end on. Thank you so yeah. much. I, I want to thank our amazing panel for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Carl Farron from Camelot Counseling, Dr. Robert Gladder, emergency medicine specialist, um, Tatiana Paulina, thank you so much for, you. for sharing your story and, and for the work that you're trying to do to save other lives. We really appreciate it. And thank you for being with us. Um, also, and big thank you to Bodega Bams. Thank you so much. And uh, remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.